1: Hi everyone and welcome to the mom hour. I am Megan Francis here as always with Sarah Powers. Hey Sarah. Hey Megan. We are excited to be here in your feed on a Sunday um, because we're going to talk about something really fun for a more than mom episode today. And Sarah, did you see that our Facebook community specifically asked us to talk about our favorite holiday foods?
0: After we had already planned it. It was in the zeitgeist. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 So that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do today. Um, Here's one thing I found that was interesting while we were planning this episode. I didn't realize sort of muddy and inconsistent, I guess, my holiday food traditions really have been. To a degree, I would say I almost don't have them in some ways. And then in some other ways, I really have them a lot. So I'm talking specifically about Christmas. It's been kind of all over the place. And yours has also been all over the place, but in a totally different way than mine.
0: Yeah. And I wonder if that's true across the board where people, it's not that we don't have food memories or food attachments during the winter holidays. But if you compare it to Thanksgiving, which is such a finite amount of time, I mean, it's one meal for most people and it's a couple of hours. And um, I think we all have these touch points of Thanksgiving where it's like, okay, do you, do you know, do you brine your turkey or not? Or do you put the stuffing in the bird or not? But like, we're dealing with a lot of the same framework. Whereas I, I think Christmas and Hanukkah and the winter holidays, it's, it's not that there aren't some through lines, but it's a, it's spread out. Like the dots are spread out along that curve or whatever.
1: Yeah. And there's also like, there's not just one day because you could really do your big, um, Christmas meal on Christmas Eve or Christmas day. If you're celebrating Hanukkah, you get eight days. So like, there's plenty of time to spread it out and make it different. And everyone's, um, celebrations are so different. Like as far as when they're opening gifts or when they're going to church or whatever. So I think it I think probably it's a little bit regional, but also kind of all over the place. but we'd we'd love yeah. to hear from people. Well, let's start off um, by talking about our family growing up holiday food traditions if we had any at all. Um, and then if there was any adjustment when we grew up um and started our own families or got married, and and I can go first on this. So I just don't think I don't think I grew up in a very snacky family. I don't remember mm. there ever really being, Like a spread on the table, it was, and that was true in general. Like we were like a, like a three squares family. Like you ate Mm. breakfast, you ate lunch, you ate dinner, and then if I was hungry, my mom would just kind of like vaguely wave towards the kitchen and say, "Well, we have saltines." I just and my my (laughs) snacks were very like apples and raisins, apples and cheese and raisins, saltines with peanut butter. Like I just remember having two or three go to snacks, and that was it. Like it wasn't like special on the holiday that we had a big spread, so. I then married into a family that was all about the appetizers. So like the mini wieners and the cocktail sauce with the shrimps and little pickles and olives and dips of all sorts. And I now love like finger food more than I love regular food. And Mm -hmm. I think part of it was like learning to love it through that, um, through that transition into, Mm -hmm. into married life. So And we also did in my marriage family, fancier food. Like I remember doing crab and prime rib and like, it just felt a little like more upscale and more, I don't know, just like a bigger deal around food than I remembered from when I was a kid. What about you?
0: Yeah. So, um, I, as you were talking, I was remembering a lot of cheese and cracker plates put out as hors d'oeuvres. We called it happy hour, even when when I was a very small kid, and my parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, we always called it happy hour, which I always think is cute because it's a very mm-hmm. like adult drinky. Right. It's a drinky phrase, but mm-hmm. when kids get into happy hour, there's it's something cute about it. So we definitely didn't have fancy, app- not even fancy appetizers. Anything other than cheese and crackers, but there was a lot of like Ritz crackers and sliced cheddar cheese or I still do
1: love. Oh, I yeah. love that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's just, I guess, in, in response to your comment about appetizers. Um, I have to say, so growing up, um, Christmases were not as big as Thanksgiving's in the number of people. Um, and they were also very different year to year. So there were years where it was just the nuclear family or maybe some grandparents. We were the ones who moved to California from the Pacific Northwest. So we were, farther away. So I, it's not that I, like I said at the top, it's not that I don't have food memories, but there's not a lot of through lines. There were years we traveled on Christmas day. There were years we went to a movie on Christmas day. There were a few years where there was maybe a larger extended, um, extended family gathering, but that might've been like potluck dinner on paper plates. Like So it was very interesting reflecting for this episode on like, wow, it's not that it wasn't it's not it's not that there aren't Mormon fuzzy memories, but there's not the sameness that I think of when I think of Thanksgiving food specifically. And then um, it's funny you asked about like when you married into a family or started your own family was were there transitions? And no, because I am literally never with my in-laws over Christmas. We have other special traditions with them. We, we, I have New England in-laws, and that's about as far away as you can get. We never travel there for Christmas. Um, and that's Brian's family of origin. Um, his dad and stepmom were in Chicago for a long time, and they would sometimes travel to us. But then in that case, they would just be absorbed into my side's mm. dinners and food. And I'll talk about a little bit that more later. But I'm sure Brian has memories of growing up with his very New England, um, Scandinavian roots. Like I'm sure he could tell you what the holiday food was like. I just never transitioned into it because I've literally been to that side for Christmas twice. Once before I had kids and once when Allegra was a baby and that's it. So I guess my, for the holidays, not for other times of the year, cause we have many memories with, with my in-laws, but none of them involve us being there for Christmas. So that's kind of weird too, I guess.
1: Well, I, I mean, I just think it's different. And a lot of people, um, as you're talking, I'm thinking like we've done so little travel on the day itself, Christmas Eve or Christmas day that, that I think that's why there's been so much difference from year to year about what, like what those meals look like. Cause they could look like anything. <laughs> it's right. just up to us. There's not like any expectation of what it's going to look like.
0: Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Okay, so to
1: kick it off, um, I know that we tend to be a little Christmas-focused because that's, that's the winter holiday that you and I both, um, both celebrate in our homes, Sarah, but... I did want to talk about foods that come from maybe outside of our faith traditions or outside of just our ethnic traditions and whether we've tried to incorporate, um, anything outside of kind of like whatever we would consider classic Christmas food into our holidays. And Sarah, you go first. Cause I know you've got some cool, um, heritage and culture aspects to your meals.
0: Yeah. And I think because we didn't have a same, same tradition every year that as I've been an adult, we've, We've definitely looked for just different things to make for both Christmas Eve and Christmas Day meals, depending on who's with us and what we feel like making. So it's not really faith tradition specific, but definitely looking to culture and heritage on different like branches of the family. So um, we've done all all kinds of things. Um, I love the Latin American tradition of tamales at Christmas time, and I've lived in areas where there's some really authentic Mexican American and Central American food and so we have at times been gifted homemade tamales. And if you have never been gifted homemade tamales, it's like, oh my goodness. So delicious. Um, that's they been are fun. Amazing. They are <laughs> amazing. so amazing. Um, my dad grew up with oyster stew on Christmas Eve, which I have Googled and I it's vaguely German ish or I I'm not sure, but oyster stew is gross, but we've made it, um, <laughs> because it feels like like a, a tradition, or it's also morphed into just doing oysters. I don't care. I like almost all seafood, but I don't care for oysters. So that's a little different. Um, with when Brian's dad was alive and he grew up, um, he's a Greek and Italian and grew up Catholic. And, um, so we did a modified feast of the seven fishes, which if you don't know what that is, I'll link it up in the show notes. And so we've done a lot of seafood. We've done Chopino, which is the seafood stew. Like I almost think that, um, Sometimes if you don't have this rooted same, same every year, it's a great invitation to like think about your heritage and your culture and maybe even um, try on parts of those identities that maybe you don't connect with deeply through the rest of the year. But um, I don't know. I think it can be meaningful and kind of understand or try on a completely different tradition that maybe you don't have biological ties to, but you know, is still significant. So I don't know. I feel like it's culinary playground if you want it to be.
1: I really love that. And I think that sometimes for me, like the Christmas meal gets kind of lost in the shuffle because I'm so busy thinking about um, like cookies and stuff, <laughs> yeah. you know, and like kind of forget yeah. And presents. And I, I wouldn't even think to plan that meal. And that's like, I kind of get up against the deadline of having to have something in the house to eat. And I kind of tend to like, just Revert to same old, same old. Um, one question for you, and I know we're going to get into this a little bit and more in the future. But um, do you go back and forth between Christmas Eve and Christmas Day being like the quote unquote big meal, or is it? Could you have a big meal both days, or is it year by year? How does that work for you?
0: It's it's usually the bigger meal, the meal that is the more traditional big meal is Christmas Day. But if we are all together, we still have to plan Christmas Eve, right? Everybody's got to eat. Right. And we have a few Christmas Eve evening traditions. I didn't even mention we do have a lot of Scandinavians. So we have a rice pudding um, little game that you play after Christmas Eve dinner where whoever finds an almond in their rice pudding gets a prize. So there's like, there's all kinds of. Yeah. So I would say Christmas Eve dinner isn't extravagant, but because it still has to be planned, it's often um, some kind of soup or stew or fish. Um. And it's not the big meal, but like it's also not usually pizza, if that makes sense. So that's been yeah. in my adult life. In the last 20 years, it's been Christmas Day is the more quote unquote big meal. But I wouldn't say Christmas Eve is a throwaway either. It's almost like a combination. But Christmas Eve is usually easier to pull off, like a nice soup and bread or a fish.
1: OK, so also you mentioned um, your Scandinavian heritage, and I believe you've had lutefisk. Can you please describe what lutefisk fisk is?
0: You know, OK, so here's the thing. I think I have been adjacent to Lute fisk. I don't remember eating oh, it. I think Bri- okay. Brian grew up with it, too, as a kid. <laughs> it's, um, it's like stinky fish, right? It's yeah. like preserved fish.
1: I've never partaken and I don't yeah. plan to start, but I'm, I was just curious if you had tried Similar it. Similar
0: to oyster stew, I think I've been around relatives who Wanted to incorporate it into a holiday feast, but like I was of an age where I was like, no, right. thank you all. Yeah. Cranberries from a can. <laughs> so
1: it's kind of funny, um, you know, talking about foods outside of your faith tradition, I have enjoyed a lot of the traditional foods one might eat around Hanukkah, like uh, matzo ball soup or brisket or latkes, but I don't actually think I've ever had any of them over the winter holidays. And I think it's just because, again, like, I'm so busy doing other stuff that I tend to default to my family's ways. And it just doesn't really occur to me during that time of year to then start planning to make something I, you know, rarely make or really don't know how to make. It's almost like that would have to be, you know, in June or something. when Like, mm-hmm. I just don't have much on my plate, but it could really be fun. And I think that if, it, if I could figure out a way to experiment without feeling like I'm adding on too much. Um. During the busiest time, like maybe even purposely doing it after Christmas or something like that, that that could be kind of fun. So I just like that idea, and I might steal. I like that rice pudding almond idea too.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can probably find. I'm sure a blogger somewhere um, has written it up. I believe that tradition is Danish, and actually, okay. we don't have Danes in my like my biological family. We're Swedes and Swede Finns, but my aunt married um, like a guy from Denmark. Like he, you know, he came here in his adult life, and so then that wove even some Danish stuff. So we've got a lot of Scandinavian stuff going on. And the Christmas Eve rice pudding is really sweet and fun. And we didn't start doing that until like I was a young adult probably, but the kids, Hmm. my kids look forward to it.
1: I like that. And I, and I think that you're right that there, there's definitely like a different kind of food one eats on Christmas Eve versus Christmas day. But like for us, Christmas Eve has typically been when we either gather more informally to, like, open a gift, in which case it's, like, lots of the snackies that I talked about earlier, and then maybe, like, some popcorn and cocoa later, um, or, like, after-church pizza. But mm-hmm. I don't remember ever having made, like, a big meal for Christmas Eve and then another big meal the next day. Right. Um, speaking of that meal, you and I had a really interesting conversation before we recorded about, like, how Christmas meals differentiate from Thanksgiving meals. and. It's funny because every, when I think back, anytime I can remember having like a big Christmas day meal, which I don't always do. And, and these days the kids tend to take off after brunch and go with John. So I really don't ever do it. But, but the few times I have, it's almost indistinguishable from Thanksgiving. And I don't know if that's like a Midwest thing. Um, Like sometimes it'd be a ham and not a turkey, but like it was, it would usually kind of have the trappings of Thanksgiving with like stuffing or potatoes on the side and dinner rolls. It just, a lot of replication. And I don't know if that's just me being somewhat unimaginative or, um, I don't know. Like, I just feel like it would look the same.
0: I don't think it's just you. I mean, if I picture like ye old Norman Rockwell Christmas, <laughs> I do think, I think that, and I don't know where that comes from, but I think the big meal is, looks very similar. Like you said, maybe a goose or a ham, but right. I think it, it, again, like these are gross generalizations, but I don't think it's just you is my point. Um, But it will be interesting to talk about if that's in fact what we eat.
1: Right, well, and I also think, you know, I also grew up in a divorced family um, and my mom and dad would alternate Christmas and Thanksgiving. So whoever, you know, whichever house we were at on Thanksgiving, we typically weren't on that at that same house Christmas day. And I, so I, I know for sure my mom wasn't making like two enormous turkeys every year. It's just that when I look back, I remember either Christmas or Thanksgiving it being a turkey or sometimes she would like she experimented with making a goose. And one time I made a duck like but some sort of bird, like large bird and all the typical trappings. So um, it's funny how sometimes when you remember back, like we talk about this a lot on the show, how you can look back to the way things were one holiday. And in your little kid memory brain, it was like that every holiday. Right. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know we're going to get into the actual dishes in a little bit, but I we don't do anything the same on Christmas Day dinner that we do on Thanksgiving. But again, I have to think back because we might have when I was a kid, maybe. I feel like my memories of the last 20 years from young adulthood to now, um, it's been completely dropped and abandoned. Yeah. But I'm not sure when I was a child, it is possible that the Christmas Day meal looked a little bit more Thanksgiving adjacent. And I'd have to ask my parents. I don't remember.
1: Yeah. And, you know, maybe they wouldn't either. <laughs> like, I'm not sure my memory is always that reliable either. OK, well, let's talk about the food. Um, Let's start with our favorite appetizers, because this is really fun. You want to go first and tell me about sure. yours? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like one thing I associate with Christmas is having lots of things spread out on the counter. Many of which might have been gifts like part of a gift basket yeah. that somebody got from work where you're sort of like you're unloading all of this bounty but it's there's a little bit of chaos to it. So what I mean by that is like there's like a bowl of spiced nuts that a neighbor dropped off and there's like some pistachios from the work gift basket that somebody got and there might be some like fudge in a little pile that's not even an appetizer but it's Christmas so there's always fudge out. So I picture like like chaotic bounty and that's what I think of (laughs) as Christmas appetizers now uh, like again I don't think my family doesn't do a lot of the like um the single bite cooked appetizers um and so you know I love like a little brie and cranberry in a puff pastry Mm -hmm. like I, I love that kind of stuff but we we don't really do that I'd have to like probably go to somebody else's house to have that kind of thing Um, But I love like a big, beautiful meat and cheese board. It's funny. I don't care for any cured meats. None of them. I don't care if it's smoked or spicy or sweet or pepperoni or like I literally (laughs) cannot do any of it. I just don't care for it. But I like all the cheeses and I like the nuts and I like some of the other crackers, of course. So I think that's kind of what I associate with like just, yeah, like spicy, full flavored chaos spread all over a countertop.
1: <laughs> I love it. Party chaos. What'd you say? Bounty? Um, yes. Bounty bounty, chaos. Chaotic yes.
0: bounty. Oh, and then I'll put in the show notes. We actually have a pickled shrimp with this, um, like aioli dip that Brian makes at, he always makes it Thanksgiving and we eat it as like a heavy appetizer, kind of like a light lunch almost, um, earlier in the day, like hours before the big meal. And that would make an awesome Christmas day or Christmas Eve appetizer. It's so delicious. I I know you and I don't like pickles and capers and olives and pickled flavored things. So don't take. It's pickled because it sits in some um s- some juices and stuff. It doesn't taste anything like what I think of as like a pickled flavor. It's huh. so delicious. Um, so I will link that up because that is a rest an actual recipe from the internet that. Well,
1: one you know make. how I feel about pickles. So sometimes I hear pickled and it does scare me. But this me too. I mean, good. <laughs> you and
0: I are the same. But the, yeah. oh my gosh, it's so delicious. How about you?
1: So I have many of the same memories. And and I had kind of forgotten about the um, additional, you know, contribution of gifts. I, I'm Mm -hmm. sure that will be very different for most people this year, but like, yeah, in the past, like Christmas Eve or day is the perfect opportunity to open that huge tin of three color, you know, three flavored popcorn or the bag of like some other popcorn with chocolate chunks mixed in, or like, there's just so many things you get that you probably, or fruit baskets, like really elaborate fruit Mm -hmm. baskets it's usually the only time of year that we would have something like that. And my aunt often sends, um, a big basket for all of my siblings and I, and we usually get all together. So she'll send it. And then my stepmom sends one too. And so we have like all these different flavored breads and English muffins. I believe that one's from Harry and David and we get like so much stuff. <laughs> so there's yeah. just food everywhere, but it doesn't really go together, um, right. that much. Now, if I were having like an evening gathering or something that I felt like cooking for, I would really want to have something with bacon wrapped around it. Mm. Um, Specifically, I do like um, bacon wrapped asparagus or prosciutto wrapped asparagus. Mm -hmm. But I really Mm -hmm. love when you stick the dates and the goat cheese and the pecan or the walnut in the bacon and wrap it up. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's just so good. So anything with a little sweet, a little cheesy, a little crunchy and bacon, like, yes. Mm-hmm. Um the Brie and Puff Pastry with cranberry, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I am a huge cured meats fan. I will say my my cracker taste has kind of like I still will have a Ritz cracker for sure. Mm-hmm. Um but I've sort of moved past moved past that phase and I I tend to, I guess, gravitate more toward like little baguettes and things now. I've really become very refined
0: in my <laughs> so 40s. snobby. You know what I, I mean? Speaking of snobby, you know what is so good, and if you've just never thought to do it, is pears with anything salty. So there's a mm. lot of pears, like those Harry and David pears. Um, and it's just I think it's pear season in a lot of places, or or pears are gifted in a fruit basket. So yes, pears and goat cheese and oh. um anything salty. So like and like balsamic
1: on that is so good mm-hmm, too. On like pears a and pal- goat yes, cheese.
0: Yep. exactly. Or even mm. like a like a more flavorful cheese and pears, like. Yeah, pe- just pear gorgonzola the-
1: and pear mm-hmm. is really good together, too. Oh, yeah. Now I'm getting hungry, even though I pre
0: baconed I know. I
1: know. <laughs> oh, and you know what? It wasn't Harry and David where the breads and English muffins come from. I'm, I was thinking of Harry and David because somebody online was complaining about the price of those pears today. <laughs> yeah. So they got lodged in my like forty nine dollars for like oh a few gosh. pears. It's like really expensive. But I did hear they're amazing. Um, I think I'm not sure if I've ever had them. But the bread company was, I believe, Wolferman's. OK, so anyway, we can look it up and, and find out for sure and stick it in the show notes. But I actually think maybe we talked about that last year because I was saying what a nice thing that was um, for us to get every year to kind of feed yeah, the family. That yeah. is
0: really nice. And and just one more thing on that, it especially if you're the mom in charge of all the food and the details, um, unpackaging and unwrapping and finding a place to store that kind of bounty can be a little bit like, It's just like more stuff in your kitchen. So I think Christmas Eve or Christmas Day to take the time or delegate to somebody else to just don't save this for a special occasion in the future. Let's unwrap it all, cut it up nicely and put it on a platter and actually enjoy it. I think sometimes we think, oh, what a nice gift. I'm going to wait till I know what to do with this. And then (laughs) then like, you know, six months later, you've got like that package of chocolate covered whatever's in your pantry.
1: (laughs) Yep. Totally agree. OK, well, there isn't, you know, it's not happy hour um, or appetizer hour without a beverage. So, Sarah, we both heartily um, established that we are anti eggnog. Um But are there any other beverages that just scream holiday to you? You can go first on this one.
0: Sure. Yeah, I would say any cocktail that I don't normally have. And so I really enjoy looking up a fun cocktail recipe, getting inspired by Instagram or the internet. Um, there's a lot of beautiful citrus in the winter in California. So I will take anything that has an orange twist or an orange slice as a garnish. Um, I love having some, a a beverage in a chilled martini glass feels very festive to me. And it doesn't have to be straight vodka. It doesn't, it's not necessarily about the booze. I mean, I, I like to look up a recipe and try something new, but it's not going to be straight liquor in there. It's more of like, you know, more of like a, girly martini, I guess. But, um, that is very fun for me. So I guess it's, it's about the, the fixings more than what exactly is in there. But I think holiday beverages are really fun.
1: I do too. And I will say this is like the one time of year I will drink something out of, out of character for me, like, you know, like hot apple cider with rum in it, which I, I mean, I would drink that, you know, another time of year. It's just, when do I ever get my hands on it? It's not something that shows up like, or peppermint schnapps and something or, um, Bailey's or, you know, a Bailey's and hot chocolate. I talk about those things all the time. Like I like them, but I don't actually often get the opportunity to try them or I don't think to. Um, and sometimes, you know, at Christmas time, particularly like when, when bars were a thing, remember that? Mm -hmm. Um, and you could go out and get like a, like a, a chocolate cocktail with like a, like a peppermint stick in it, or mm-hmm. you know, just like fun, or like with weird herbs like rosemary or something. Yeah, in I'm your drink. all about
0: that. that's like yeah, that's and very.
1: I cool. just don't think to do that any other time of the year. And this time of the year is when I'd be like, ooh, you know what sounds good. So otherwise, though, I'm pretty boring. I just stick to my tried and true, like Lacroix or hot tea or or red wine.
0: Yeah, same, I've done same. sangria. Um, I've done red wine sangria at Christmas time because it's so pretty, and I think sangria is probably totally a summer thing. So I don't think it actually works because there's a lot of, you know, fresh fruit and things in it, but it looks wintry and sangria is one of those things that I'm I'm never going to have a taste for a lot of it, but it's so pretty. Basically, like if it looks pretty in a glass, I'll have one on Christmas. (laughs) Oh, I love it.
1: Um, Okay. So let's talk about, you know, we've gotten through Christmas Eve, assuming that, you know, we did appetizers and beverages, which is, that's my assumption. And maybe it was something else, but let's talk about Christmas morning breakfast and like how we handle that. And I know. For a lot of families, it, it depends if they're going to get up and get out the door and go to church, um, if they're going to hang out in their PJs, if people are coming over other years than this year. So I'll go first on this one. I usually try to keep it really easy and something that can heat up in the oven while we're opening gifts because um, we don't mm-hmm. go anywhere on Christmas morning. So in the past, I've done a French toast casserole with day old um, Jimmy John's bread. So you can go to Jimmy John's and buy their bread. The day after it's made for really cheap. And that's actually a great idea for like when we are doing big family gatherings again, too, because you can just put out a spread of meats and cheeses and stuff and then Mm -hmm. have some Jimmy Johns. Um, I just assemble the whole thing beforehand and stick it in the oven. This year I am planning to make baked eggs. I saw this in Martha Stewart's um, magazine and usually I find her recipes to me. Like they always feel like they have like one additional step or ingredient that makes it just not worth the hassle. But this right. one was actually super easy. It's like you basically, the eggs cook, um, they kind of turn out into like a, it's like a poached almost. They almost like poach in heavy cream.
0: Ooh. And so they have
1: almost like an over medium yolk. And then the wow. whites are just kind of hard enough. And then you just throw a bunch of crap on top. So I put, I did this a couple of weeks ago and I did uh, bacon and uh, Gruyere cheese. And peppers, Mm -hmm. whatever I had lying around. I think I had some cauliflower or something, but you make them in like individual. I made them in these like four inch pie. um, pie, Well, kind of like cake pans, like round cake pans. But you could also use um, like any kind of little dish that can just go Mm -hmm. into the oven. And we just put like two in each. So you could also customize them.
0: That sounds so good.
1: It was so good and so easy and like way easier than, you know, standing at the stove flipping eggs.
0: Right. You just put to them all in the oven at once. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yep. Yep. What about you?
0: Um, I love that. Well, yeah, as you were talking, I was thinking it all kind of depends on the timing of how you eat on Christmas morning. If you're opening gifts, if you're celebrating Christmas. So, you know, we're up so early. We let the kids get up early. Everyone has coffee and like candy, basically. So like everyone eats, eat, has coffee and the kids eat. Candy from their stockings until until somebody's hungry. you know, so we might have done a round of presents we might have done opening their stockings and maybe a round of presents, but pretty soon we decide like we should eat. And we usually try and have some kind of cinnamon roll situation, but nothing fancy. So often we'll try to pick up cinnamon rolls somewhere the day before maybe, or just a can like the the kind you pop open in yeah. a can, nothing wrong with that. They taste great on Christmas morning. And I would say that's for the kids slash adults who enjoy sugary carbs in the morning, which mm-hmm. I am one, but many, uh, the rest of us may want, um, something heartier. So honestly, it's like when the kids feel like they could take a break or play with something they've just opened, we'll probably just crack a bunch of scrambled eggs into a pan. We have done things like frittatas and Brian makes really good frittatas. Um, And we've also done the thing like buying a Costco quiche and having those if we have had a bigger like group on Christmas morning. So I would say it depends, but it's usually a combination of like sweet and sugary cinnamon rolls and then eventually something egg based. But it might be hours into the day and Bloody Marys. Love it.
1: That does sound really good Uh, for me. That would just be a mimosa instead of a Bloody Mary because I don't do I don't do drinkable tomato, but um, I know people (laughs) do love it. That's from our Ourplace.com code MOMOUR. Sarah, our sponsor, HIA Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried HIA vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? The steel's not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash mom hour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, Sarah. So we've established that in my house, the traditional if we do a big meal, um, it's usually on Christmas Day and it usually looks a lot like Thanksgiving. And for you, it's like all over the place. So yeah. Talk about what kind of main dishes, like, I know they're different for you and you you experiment with a lot of stuff, but is there any kind of meat or main dish that you kind of just identify as a Christmas thing?
0: Yeah, I think in the last, like I said, this is kind of broken up into what the heck do I even remember about Christmas food growing up slash uh, my young adult through now. Um, I definitely associate like a beef, like a standing rib roast, to prime rib, or I think this year we're doing tenderloin fillets, which is actually by far my preference um, because I am I I, rib is kind of lost on me and I know it's fancy, but I I don't care for it. Um, So that's been more. I think actually one of the things, Megan, is my parents went through a phase where they didn't eat red meat for health and environmental reasons. And that might be why some of my memories are a bit foggy. And then they they kind of embraced red meat again when I was maybe a young adult. And so I think there probably were some turkey or maybe a roast chicken or some different yeah. things when I was a kid, but I do associate, um, a beef main course. Um, but two of our, two of our adult family members still don't eat red meat. My mom and my sister don't typically. So, um, we might get one of those like really nice stuffed chicken breasts that you can buy, like at the meat counter where they've already like breaded or put goat cheese in it or something fun. Um, so we might get some of that for them, but yeah, not, we're no longer in the poultry Arena for the <laughs> main anymore. Pulled yeah. but maybe where we I don't remember. How about you?
1: Well, you know, I'm not a huge turkey fan to begin with. So, like, even on Thanksgiving, I have a, unless someone cooks a turkey for me, I kind of have a hard time bringing myself to doing that. So, in the past, I have done like the breast. You can just buy the breast, or if I've gone to someone else's house that has turkey, that's fine. But it's been more likely to be ham. But with like, but then just with the um, Thanksgiving sides, mm-hmm. ham is so easy. And it's cheap this time of year. It's basically really cheap from like Thanksgiving on. So it's just a, yeah, it's, it's easy to heat up and it's, everybody always loves it. Um, I have a handful of times, like I was saying with my ex-in-laws done prime rib, but this also reminded me that for a lot of people, the main dish on Christmas isn't necessarily like your traditional big meat and sides. Um, A lot of people do mac mac and cheese or lasagna. I have found that like if you're in an area where your region has some special pizza claim to fame mm. that can be really big on Christmas. So um, John's relatives um, on his mom's side live in Buffalo, New York. And so when I used to go, we used to like way long time ago when Jacob was a baby, we used to go out to Buffalo at Christmas and pizza was like, it's called like mm. bocce pizza or something like that. So much so that they'll sometimes have it shipped to Michigan or um, his mom oh, lives in Florida. like,
0: like, um, not Maggiano's, the one in Chicago. Sorry, everyone. The one that ships. There's one, yeah. a deep dish from Chicago.
1: So this is kind of like that. And it, it comes, I think, frozen and then you just heat it up and it it's good. I mean, it it really, it's like really fun. And if you can't get it and you're, yeah. you know, from Malnati's. there, you have nostalgia. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. And then I was also thinking about the tradition of people going out for Chinese or other mm-hmm. restaurants, you know, other restaurants that don't close on Christmas. So I just think. I just think like the more we talk about this, the more I think the Thanksgiving-esque dinners that I've had on Christmas that are sticking out of my head were actually pretty few and far between. It's just that right. those are the ones that stand out because they were the most recognizable as like mm-hmm. a meal. So yeah. Um, along those lines, though, let's talk about some of the sides that are traditionally served either with that kind of a meal, maybe at the holidays, maybe not. I mean, potatoes. I'm sure you have some kind of potato. So like, how do you, what do you get?
0: Yeah, I think so, like maybe 10 or 12 years ago we started doing twice baked potatoes which are so delicious they and are. you can buy them again in that same like grocery like pre-prepared section especially like a nice grocery store. Right. Um and then just heat them up. They take a long time to heat up, so that's a little pro tip. If they've been in the refrigerator and wrapped up or something, they are like dense, cold potatoes, yes. so they can take a long time to heat all the way through. And it's better to do it slowly, obviously, than just like torch the tops. But we have also made them from scratch. It's probably 50-50, but there's nothing wrong with a pre-prepared twice-baked potato, especially if you, if you mashed your potatoes at Thanksgiving, I think you get a break on Christmas. Um, I agree. But whether, whether they're homemade or not, twice-baked potatoes are just feel like kind of special um, and I, my kids love a baked potato bar where they get to like, you know, or a buffet where they get to put everything on it, but that's like so many dishes and so messy. And there's something kind of indulgent about like your baked potato has already been like, you know, fancied up for you. So that's <laughs> our potato tradition. But I, I also love mashed potatoes. I love, Oh, we've done scallop potatoes some years. Now that I'm thinking about it, my mom mm-hmm. has a great scallop potato recipe. So I'm just pro potato. I'll take it in any form. How about you? I,
1: I often make a scalloped potato recipe and I'll kind of make that whenever. Like to me, that's anytime there's a special meal. Um, it is like, if I have the time to slice up the potatoes, I am up for making this. this. Mm-hmm. It's just really simple. It's like heavy cream, um, Gouda, Parmesan, Yum. I think, yeah. and garlic. It's just simple and really decadent. So maybe I'll make that this tier. Um, okay, so speaking of side dishes, I I wanted to tiptoe into casserole county, and I know that you don't live (laughs) in an area where casseroles are really a thing, but it's such a hot topic. I kind of feel like from Thanksgiving right through Christmas, and I'm going to just classify this as any and all cream of mushroom soup based casseroles, because there's more than one kind, but the one that gets the most attention here is green bean casserole. So you said you've never made it.
0: I've never made it. And I think I've only eaten it once. And I was at Brian's grandma's for Thanksgiving when we were first dating and I didn't even know it was a thing. Like I ate it and I liked it, but I didn't know that it was a nod to like a longstanding tradition. I just completely growing up in kind of health food conscious California in the eighties and nineties, I think casseroles were on the out. Like, I don't think people other than like a lasagna or like enchiladas, um, was like the next generation of that kind of bake. Um, I just missed the boat on that. And I've eaten green bean casserole. I know what people are talking about now, but I was probably 23 before I had even heard of it and I've never made it.
1: So what I think is interesting is I grew up in Midwest eighties where casseroles were still really hanging on, but my mom just wasn't a casserole person. So I would only have those kinds of things when I'd go to other people's houses. And Mm -hmm. I remember my Aunt Paula making every year green bean casserole anytime we did a holiday with her. So any major holiday, she would make it. And I was horrified by it. Like everything (laughs) about it would tweak everything the little kid Megan did not like in food. I didn't like any cream of mushroom or cream of any like cream of anything soups did not like, especially when mixed into a casserole. Gross, gross, gross. I didn't really like sauces. Like I didn't I liked my food to just be kind of plain with like butter and salt on it and clearly separated on my plate and yeah, I just
0: That's very normal I it think. Very I would normal. have been the same way. I again I was an adult when I came to it and I think I I was okay with it but I would have not No. That goodness it's either. like a
1: kid's textural nightmare. So <laughs> I did though my aunt when she made it she put crushed up Ritz crackers on top and that made it palatable to me and I would eat like I oh. would kind of take a tiny little serving but I would make sure it was mostly topping and then I would just kind of pick and I kind of liked the way the Ritz crackers would taste when they kind of got a little mushy. And so I kind of I, I found ways to get around around my, dis, you know, despising the idea. Then at one point, I went to a different holiday gathering, probably when I had in-laws and they served it with crunchy onions on top. And I was like, what like is this even?
0: Those Interesting. little I always- onions. I thought that was like standard, the fried onions. People will fight onions. about
1: that because people oh, okay. are really into the way they like it. And I know there's a uh-huh. huge contingent. I think I think the um, the onions are more traditional or maybe like that was the original recipe or something. Okay. But I know equal number of people who would argue for the crackers.
0: Okay. So, I w- yeah, yeah, interesting.
1: Well, and it's just one of those things that Midwesterners like to fight about. Um <laughs> Yeah, we have to have something to spice it up. So, uh, in years that we don't have, like you know, political <laughs> elections and things, but you know, um, that is so funny. Yeah. So, so anyway, I just wanted to ask about that because it is such a Midwest thing, but it's also a Midwest thing I didn't really experience much as a kid, which I think is funny.
0: That is funny. Well, it definitely lingers. You still see, see people talking about green bean casserole, so it's. I'd be curious of our listeners, like how many people where it's really still on the table, either because you love it or because grandma still makes it or yeah. yeah. Can I add a couple more thoughts on sure. sides real quick? Um, so having done the prime rib for the last, you know, 20 years or so, most years, um, I do not care for horseradish flavored anything, but there is always seems to be among the men folk much discussion <laughs> of a horseradish mayo or a horseradish sauce. I think you buy... There's like a certain kind that they like. And it feels like there is always a last minute store trip because someone forgets. It's not the kind of thing you always have in your fridge or in your pantry. And I'm not I'm not familiar with the finer points of a horseradish mayo sauce, but it is apparently essential with prime rib on Christmas. And so there is always like a flurry to make sure we have it. Um, And then we don't do any cooked veggies or any like veggie sides other than um, a homemade Caesar salad with really good Parmesan cheese and really good croutons, sometimes homemade, sometimes from a bag. But man, there is nothing like a good Caesar to me. That's like I I, I, I actually like this Christmas meal probably better than Thanksgiving from the individual components. I don't know. Mm -hmm. There's probably like dish by dish. There's some I prefer at Thanksgiving, but. Um, a really good Caesar is, um, also just feels indulgent because we don't usually make that at home. So Well, and it's
1: hard, like, it's hard to get all the lettuce pieces coated just right. Yeah. And just the right, I mean, and a really good Caesar dressing is so good. And like a forgettable mm-hmm. one is so not good. You know, it's like, eh, yep. whatever, might as well have ranch. So right. yeah, I totally agree. I, um, I also live with some people who, enjoy strong flavors. And so the horseradish is very much a thing if we have like any kind of sliced beef. So yeah, roast beef or prime rib. Um, and I will usually get baronade sauce for myself or make it, you can buy it in a jar, mm, yeah. but, um, but I like that better. I just like the milder flavor. And then I, I feel like I taste the meat more. Yeah. Um, but definitely horseradish sauce. You can make it with mayo or sour cream both ways. Okay. I yeah, you know, people who, and it cuts the horseradish taste a little bit. Cause that is very strong.
0: Right. And I think there is one brand where you can buy it kind of already made into a sauce. And that's mm-hmm. the one I feel like my dad is always sending me to the store. And I'm like, what even is this? Weird <laughs> and it's stuff?
1: probably one of those old fashioned looking ones like Ken's yes. or whatever with the old like restaurant label on it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I know what you're talking about. Uh, all right. Well, I am ready to move on to desserts and then okay. maybe eat some dessert. So before mm-hmm. we start talking about this, um, I just have to ask you for your opinion do cookies equal dessert? And by that, I mean, were you to create, like have a big dinner and everyone sat down to eat this big dinner together, would you bring out cookies and pass them around as dessert? Or in your mind, is dessert something like cake or pie or something separate from cookies? I just think this is a big difference in the way these things are, are served up. So you go first.
0: Yeah, um, I think that's a good question. I am team cookies are dessert. And we've definitely had years where the cookies are the dessert and that's all that's offered. And that's fine. I would say it's probably the cookies are then probably pretty special, like a really fresh batch of somebody's just made Christmas cookies and frosted them and decorated them. Or it might be paired with like we were talking about the gifted fudge or the gifted chocolate covered almonds or a chocolate. Sometimes people send you a box of chocolate. So we definitely have had many, many times where there are no pies. We just put out the cookies and the boxed chocolates and the you know, the, the bounty again, yeah. like a sorted bounty and call it dessert. Um, so I don't think it has, we, we sometimes have made a pie, the, a cho- there's a yeah. French silk chocolate pie we love to make. Ooh, yeah. And, um, a pecan, but my dad loves pecan pie. We don't do pumpkin again at Christmas. I don't think ever you could. I mean, of course, you know, people do, I don't think we do. So I would say sure pie or no pie, put out cookies. I, I don't feel strongly one way or the except I feel strongly. You don't have to have pie.
1: Well, I feel strongly you don't have to have dessert. And so that always kind of colors my I'm just not a big like I like to eat dessert, but we're not somebody except at Thanksgiving. And I would even say Christmas is a little different because there's already so much stuff around sweets wise at Christmas time. For us, it would look more like pre-dinner. There were snacks out and one of those snacks was a plate of cookies. And then Mm -hmm. and obviously this changes as your kids get older because They're not going to ruin their dinner as fast with cookies. Like if I did that with a three-year-old, they wouldn't eat dinner. Um, With you know, with the sixteen-year-old, you'd have anything to hold
0: over them. Right? There would be no bribes or exactly, yeah,
1: yeah, no temptations to actually or incentives to make it through dinner. So um, that's changed over the years. But I would say even when they were little, especially if we were like at grandma's house or something, I would kind of like ease up on on some of the expectations around the order in which they were going to eat things or how much I expected them to finish. Because, you know, when you've got relatives around, especially grandparents, sometimes it's just like a candy free-for-all sometimes. And Mm -hmm. the kids know how to work you and play, like go around you to grandma to get the, you know, little bag of M&Ms or Hershey's Kisses opened or something. So anyway, for us, I feel like cookies were always something that would just be kind of around or chocolates were around. But if I was going to serve dessert, it probably would be... Um, something special like chocolate mousse. Um, I also Mm, love French silk pie and I don't do it every time. It's just that I look at cookies almost like snack dessert.
0: I understand that. Yeah. And I guess if we were going to do it, we'd have to, you'd have to hide them because otherwise people will snack on them and there will be none left for dessert. So I'm thinking the years we've done that, um, it's been pretty intentional. Like these are the cookies we're setting aside for later or Or we just decide dessert's not that big a deal this year, so we're gonna put out the leftover cookies. But we're all clear that this isn't like a special dessert. This is just right. have a leftover cookie. We just if have you want. these, so eat yeah. them. Yeah. So,
1: so Sarah, before we started recording this, actually it was yesterday when I was thinking about this episode, I was on Facebook and someone had shared a map. Um, I think it was from Men's Health magazine. It was like an interactive map of everyone's favorite desserts, holiday desserts, like Christmas desserts, state by state. And I was flummoxed that cheesecake was the number one Christmas dessert in Michigan and like all over the Midwest. And I think even toward the East Coast and in California, it was like peppermint chocolate chip cookies or something. Ew. Stop. I just feel like I feel like Sarah Lee and Entman's must have like gotten together and yeah,
0: skewed <laughs> these so results
1: because I was like, I don't know anybody who eats cheesecake as like a regular holiday thing which isn't to say they wouldn't
0: but do again you it's like why would they what if it's an Italian American thing again like with feast of the seven fishes and some of the and the lasagna i do think if you have strong Italian American roots uh, would cheesecake fit into that i don't know i, don't know. I actually that's a very like i'm completely don't know but i associate it with like at least like italian fine dining sometimes yeah. has a really good like yeah, mascarpone cheesecake but it still feels strange that it would be like the, the, for the entire state, the most popular, right. Business,
1: business. Yeah. And I would like you to answer for your state's, you know, your state's response of peppermint I mean, chocolate cookies. It doesn't make any sense to me.
0: It makes no sense. And I like a candy cane by itself, but I don't actually like candy cane in any of my other, I don't want candy canes in my Oreos or my, actually I don't want it in my hot chocolate. I don't want peppermint and chocolate together. I can have oh, them separately. Oh, that's interesting.
1: Cause I love peppermint and chocolate. But not like when it's not when it's chunks. that grosses me out. Like, I don't like to bite into a chip.
0: You know what I mean? Exactly. It's Yeah, I'm I'm not here for that. And I've never heard of that. So I will answer on behalf of the entire state of California that that is baloney. I don't know what our most popular holiday dessert would be, but I'm just such a classic Christmas cookie person. I could eat classic. And by that, I mean a butter cookie or a sugar cookie, depending on how you make it and what you call it. I think it's a butter cookie, but. Um, And then an iced, iced and decorated. And the frosting has to be good or icing. I always say frosting, Mm -hmm. but I think it's icing has to be good. Not too thin where not the royal icing where it hardens and you can decorate it cute, but like a real layer of like a cookie buttercream. I I get my I get all my terms mixed up because I don't think it's the same as like a buttercream you'd make for a cake, but it has some some butter content in it. That kind of cookie icing with some sprinkles. And I'm I'm happy. I don't even need anything fancier than that.
1: Well, you beat me to my next question, which was, what are your favorite Christmas cookies or holiday cookies? And my sister-in-law um, Kelly, who lives in Minneapolis, every year brings an amazing selection of cookies that she bakes, like for two weeks before Christmas. And of course, we're not going to see her this year, so that's kind of a bummer. I couldn't even tell you the name of most of what she makes. I just know that I plow through it. Um, but if it was something that, like, I was just going to make myself, I make shortbread. I love shortbread either dipped in chocolate or not, or like with chocolate drizzled over it or not, depending on mm-hmm. if I want it, like with a cup of tea more as like a mm, breakfast yes. almost, or more as a dessert and then peanut butter blossoms. And those are both really, really simple. And you and I were talking about with the name of peanut butter blossoms, just to make sure we got that right. Um, that's, we believe the one that's the peanut butter cookie with the chocolate, the Hershey's kiss swished yeah. in the middle.
0: And why does the Hershey's Kiss not melt into a pool? It melts a little bit, but it retains its shape. And then it's kind of delightfully soft, but it's it doesn't. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Those are so good. They're so good. And they look really pretty. So it's very like aesthetically satisfying and it's not that hard.
1: And on day two, I will pop mine back in the microwave for about 15 seconds. And then then I take the Hershey's Kiss and I smoosh it all over the top. And then usually there's like half the Hershey's Kiss doesn't melt. So it's like a little hard chocolate nibble left on top. It's so good. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to get off somewhere. and go make these
0: right now. And you're not a sweet tooth person. Usually, I'm not. So but I oh. never hear you get this excited. Mm. Yeah, those are so, oh, good. so good.
1: And they're also sweet and salty, which is nice.
0: Yes. Well, that is why I like them so much. One time a few years ago, you and I had this conversation, not on the podcast, I don't think. And I literally, I couldn't rest until I made them. And I don't know if I made them that same day or if it was like a week later, but it was like once the seed was planted in my mind, it's like, that's how pregnancy cravings are. It's like, once you think of it, you cannot let it go until you, until you achieve it. So uh, yeah, those are so good. Love it.
1: All right. Well, we're wrapping up here in a minute, but I'm just wondering if there's any other food item that we haven't talked about yet but that it feels so essential to the holidays that you couldn't imagine going without it. And I've got two quick ones. One is called okay, Chocolate for Charlie. Um, and Chocolate Charlie is like maybe a Midwest thing, maybe even an Indiana thing, because I have never mm-hmm. seen it sold anywhere else. But it's like in a yellow box and it's chocolate, just like kind of cheap tasting milk chocolate, peanuts and marshmallows that are all kind of melted together. And then you have to like chip it off, like with a butter knife, like you huh. chip off a chunk of it. And I don't even know that it's that good, but I've just had it at holidays for so long that I totally associate that with Christmas, specifically Christmas Eve. And then when I was growing up, my aunt would always send um, to our house up in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, where we did not have any like malls at all, um, frango mints, which were sold only at Mm -hmm. Marshall Fields. And that's now owned by Macy's. Maybe Macy's
0: also sold them. They came. I think it was a Marshall Fields thing. I think it was a very Chicago thing. Okay.
1: Yeah. And she lived in Chicago and lives in Chicago. So she would send it's like they came in this little green box yep. with a fancy script on the top and they would be either chocolate covered mint chocolate. So brown, yep. brown on brown. I, I know
0: exactly what you're talking about. This or time, mint so, yeah. covered
1: chocolate chocolate. Uh-huh. So green on brown. And um, I always preferred the chocolate, chocolate ones, I'd eat all those first. And then I'd, you know, finally eat the other ones when I was out of the chocolate, chocolate. And I mean, I don't live really that close to a Macy's. I think Macy's that did acquire Marshall Fields or they all, you know, blended together or whatever. Um, I think maybe they still sell them, but I just haven't gotten them. So I will sometimes go to like the little local chocolate store and get whatever their closest approximation is. It's not quite mm-hmm. the same, but to me, there is something about minty chocolate, which is not the same as minted like mint right. chunked chocolate, or even no, it's mint, different. It's like different. with chocolate covering yeah. it, like, it's like a minty flavored chocolate. And I, it, to me, that is Christmas.
0: So I, I didn't learn about the whole Frango mint thing until I lived in Chicago again, until I was in my early twenties, but Macy's hadn't bought fields yet. So Marshall Fields was definitely just like an embedded Chicago thing for so long. And I think the people's love of those Frango mints was I think that's very regional to the area, but yeah. I guess I could be wrong about that. So I, I had them as a young adult, and I, I also really like those, and um, those are good. You know, I, I think we've talked about everything I associate with the holidays. I don't think I have anything else to add for this one, but except what I've already talked about. Do
1: you have a plan yet for this year?
0: I know we're doing um, we'll just be with my parents. We share basically it's more than a bubble. We essentially act as if we're in the same household as my parents. Um, and I don't know who else will be there, but we will do the filet. Um, like I think we're going to do tenderloin beef, tenderloin filets. So like filet mignon, basically, instead mm-hmm. of a prime rib and I. I am I, I said that earlier. I'm I'm very happy about that cuz I think the luxuriousness of prime rib is kind of lost on me. And so I think everything I talked about, I think we'll do it. It'll just be a smaller smaller group. Um I'm guessing probably fewer food gifts from, you know, work colleagues and neighbors. Like that the yeah. the bounty I talked about just will probably be a little smaller, but maybe, you know, someone'll probably still send a gift basket and you know, this and that. So I think the way I described it is the way it'll be just smaller and more covety. No, no extra (laughs) gatherings,
1: (laughs) smaller and more covety, And that's 21. That's 2020 for you. Right. Well, mine will probably be Christmas Eve snackies and Christmas morning baked eggs, and then just like picking at all the leftovers for days, which is also a fun thing to do. Uh, during the holiday. So this has been really fun. I love talking about food and I know people probably would like to see links to some of the stuff we talked about. So we can pop those in the show notes and um, we'll be back on Tuesday with a regular episode.
0: Talk to you then. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug.
1: That is amazing.